Well, good afternoon and uh, welcome to another teaching. It, uh, it's, been a, it's been a whirlwind of, uh, of a couple of weeks. I was, just, uh, I was just so blessed. I was so blessed to see um, Alistair Begg, you know, come out and I was able to watch the, the night sermon on the, you know, on the Truth For Life, uh, you know, webcast when he came out and explained why he had counseled that uh, that grandmother to go to the wedding, and I think he beautifully articulated it, and and it and and it was in line with the three teachings, you know, that we had done. And so, man, I was so relieved. I was so relieved that he didn't he didn't you know he didn't acquiesce to the mob. And uh, Pastor Beg, I can't tell you how much that encouraged me because it's been, you know, I'm glad you were shielded from most of it. Um, um, you know, because it's, it was, you know, it was ugly, but as you said, we're past it now and, uh, you know, we're going to get back to, uh, to what we do here at, uh, kingdom discipleship. Um, we're going to get back to just teaching the Bible verse by verse, by verse, by verse. That's always been our heart. Um, that's all we had ever done. Um, and then my son-in-law, Nathan, said, well, John, maybe you should do some topicals. And I had this, this kind of little air, I confess, that, well, we only do expository. And so come to think of it, there were people that really, really enjoyed some of the topicals. And then, you know, a couple of weeks ago when, when this whole thing came out and, and everyone, you know, crucifying Alistair Begg, so to speak, or indignant as to, you know, his advice to this grandmother, um, I just, I immediately, you know, felt the leading of the Holy Spirit to do, uh, to do the first teaching. And then that led to the, the three part teaching. Um, so I don't know. Um, apparently it's, it's not my job to tell the Lord what I do and what I don't do. I consistently fail in that. Um, but you know, now we're going to move back to, to what we do here for, for the, you know, for the, the many, many new subscribers, um, this is what we do. We teach the Bible verse by verse by verse. Expository uh, teaching is when you take a, a passage of scripture or a chapter of scripture or a book of scripture and you preach through it verse by verse by verse by verse. You read that scripture, right? And you, you ought to read it like you're reading the Bible and, and not Instagram or Facebook, right? Or what is it? Snapchat. I don't have any social media. Um, you know, you read the scripture earnestly, um, and then, then you explain it, right? You teach it, you teach the meaning, you teach any theology, um, that's in there. And then man, the, the most important thing, obviously you have to read it and, and properly teach the theology, but, but really the reason we have the scripture is to apply it to our lives, to live it out, to, to make application of the scripture to make the adjustments when we look into that Bible as that mirror, as James says, and when it reflects what's out of place, you know, we make the adjustments. So, so I, I want to say thank you to, 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 to all of those um, who were very supportive of the, uh, of the Alistair Begg videos. Um, you, you know, you were the minority um, and the encouragement really, really was helpful. It got heavy. Um, and man, I, I want to I want to thank my critics as well. All right, I ask you to forgive me where I was uh, 
again, where I was too pointed, where I was too, you know, even combative at times. Um, um, and I lack meekness. So I ask you to forgive me. Um, we're going to get back now to, to teaching the scriptures. Again, I'm thankful to y'all. I'm going to stop proclaiming what I will and won't do, Lord willing. So again, enjoy the teaching on uh, 1 Timothy. We're going through 1 Timothy now. Uh, we're going to go through verse by verse by verse. Um, and uh, enjoy the first teaching in 1 Timothy 1. May Jesus bless. May Jesus bless all y'all. Thank you, Lord. Thank you for listening to this teaching from Kingdom Discipleship. The Bible book of 1 Timothy is an incredibly powerful exhortation of how we are to live our lives in Jesus Christ our Lord and how we are to serve and pastor and help others to live their lives for Jesus Christ our Lord. Have you earnestly studied the book of 1 Timothy? Let's open our Bible now and begin this wonderful verse-by-verse -verse journey through the Bible book of 1 Timothy. Well, good afternoon and welcome to another teaching. Man, it is a Thursday evening here in Texas and uh, Thursday afternoon. And uh, man, just looking out the window here in the studio here with Stephen and uh, man, just we got a nice clean studio. Thank you, Miss Susan. And it's uh, just a good afternoon to be getting into a new book. It's exciting. We finished the, uh, the series on a renewed year in Jesus. So hopefully y'all are rocking in this new year and just uh, just really applying yourselves. And, and I'm really, I am a little more focused. I am more focused um, on, you know, on living for Jesus, loving for Jesus, giving for Jesus and forgiving for Jesus. So thank you, Lord Jesus. All right. So we're in a new book. I have my new Christmas shirt on. I have the most loving family and, uh, you know, they're thoughtful and, you know, they've they bought me some clothes and I got this this nice shirt so that I could start uh, apparently dressing in, uh, you know, uh, you know, more more appealing ways. So thank you, Lord Jesus. I do like it. It's a nice shirt. It feels good. All right. So, boom, we're moving to to first Timothy. OK, the book of first Timothy. We've talked a lot about it. Um, we've talked about it with the guys. Me and Stephen have have moved it around and uh, and he studied it and uh, given me given me some of his insights. Man, it's a good book. It's six chapters. It's a one of four pastoral letters that the Apostle Paul wrote to to spiritual children, to those he had led to Christ and discipled in Jesus Christ. Um, Timothy's the only one to get two. Titus got one and Philemon got one. Okay, um, and. I mean, it's, they're, they're, they're incredible letters, okay? Um, the letter is written sometime around A.D. 60. Most scholars would say perhaps around 62. Many scholars would say it was written from Macedonia because Paul says in verse 3, as I urged you when I went into Macedonia. But that doesn't necessarily mean that the letter, because he urged him when he went into Macedonia, isn't an, uh, you know a certainty that he wrote the letter from Macedonia. So we're not entirely certain where it was from written from, but very possibly written from Macedonia. Um, 
you know, Paul is, is, is out and about. He's on his missionary journeys and doing his work. And, he, and he's writing to exhort, to encourage, and to in- instruct Timothy on, you know, how to deal with all the different issues of pastoring um, in the city of Ephesus, which was a, which was a, a, a prosperous city. Right. Um, And it's having some problems and it's a difficult task. So this is an exciting book. Um, You know, I had all my plans going into it, as I usually do. And that that naturally got, you know, got had to had to get adjusted. And uh, so, um, Lord willing, we'll get through verse seven today. Um, And again, there's a lot here. So, Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for your mercy. We thank you for your goodness. We thank you for your grace. We thank you for the the technology, Father, to do this. We thank you for the word of God. We thank you, Lord, that we're we're here doing verse-by-verse study in the book of 1 Timothy, Father. We thank you for the Apostle Paul, who you used to write this letter, Holy Spirit. We thank you for Timothy, a uh, uh, an on-fire Lord, man of God, who served the kingdom of God in the, in the early church. Father, we love you and bless you. Father, above all, as always, we thank you for Jesus. Lord Jesus, we worship you, we praise you, we thank you, and we love you. Holy Spirit, we ask you to give us eyes that see now as we we open this book of 1 Timothy. Give us ears to hear, hearts to understand. We really want to know your word in 1 Timothy. In Jesus' name, in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. All right. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Okay. All right. So I'm going to read 1 Timothy 1, verses 1 to 7. Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus, by the command of God our Savior and of Christ Jesus our hope, to Timothy, my true son in the faith, grace, mercy, and peace from God the Father in Christ Jesus our Lord. As I urged you when I went into Macedonia, stay there in Ephesus so that you may command certain men not to teach false doctrines any longer, nor to devote themselves to myths and endless genealogies. These promote controversies rather than God's work, which is by faith. The goal of this command is love, which comes from a pure heart and a good conscience and a sincere faith. Some have wandered away from these and turned to meaningless talk. They want to be teachers of the law, but they do not know what they are talking about or what they so confidently affirm. Wow. I mean, there's just, I mean, believe it or not, there is a lot in there. When we start digging into the scriptures and digging into them and pulling them apart, right? You just, it just gets deeper and deeper and deeper and deeper. And the revelation just gets more and more exciting. So thank you, Lord Jesus. Um, it's interesting in verse two, Paul said to Timothy, my true son in the faith. Um, and then down in verse 18, Paul says, Timothy, my son. So twice in 16 verses, he mentions Timothy. But in the beginning of the letter, it's, you know, it's, it's, you know, he, he, he gives it a little extra, right? You could just see his heart and his genuine love for this man, this spiritual son and his desire to see Timothy walk with Christ and serve Christ in his kingdom rightly and properly 
And I mean, we're going to see that all throughout this letter. So it's interesting. Stephen pointed that out to me. I had not seen that. So thank you, Lord Jesus. All right. Verse one, Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus by the command of God, our savior and of Christ Jesus, our hope. So again, Paul is writing to Timothy and he gives, you know, he gives his authority here. Uh, he gives the fact that he has been called and that he's an apostle, not by his own doing. Okay. Um, there are people that believe there are still apostles today. There are certainly no apostles like this. Okay. There are no apostles that are writing scripture anymore. The 66 books of the Bible are complete. 39 in the Old Testament, 27 in the New Testament. This apostle, the apostle Paul, wrote half the New Testament. He wrote 13 of the 27 books in the New Testament, and many believe he, he wrote Hebrews, which would put him over half, right? Um, but he says his name, Paul, um, uh, you remember his name was Saul, uh, was his birth name, and you know he had changed it to Paul um, you know, as he was walking with Christ. And he calls himself an apostle of Christ Jesus by the command of God, our savior, right? What does he mean by God, our savior? God is our savior in and through Jesus Christ, our Lord, right? Jesus is God, okay? Our savior is Jesus and Jesus is God, right? God in the person of Jesus Christ. Wow, all right? Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus, by the command of God, our Savior. Okay, this is important, okay? Now, again, apostle is a, is a major ministry title. There are still men, and actually women, that, that, that you know, do go around today, and they, they, they earnestly believe themselves to be apostles, um, you know, of Jesus Christ. Um, again, I don't, uh, personally, I don't know how anyone could, you know, um, see themselves as an apostle. To me, it's, you know, it's, 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 it's quite a claim. Okay. Uh, now again, you know, nowhere does it say in the scriptures that, you know, that the Lord stopped appointing apostles. Uh, apostle simply means one who is sent, but is the highest level of authority. So when someone is saying they're an apostle, uh, apostle, they're claiming authority, um, and as we see in, you know, um, you know, in Revelation chapter two, also dealing with the church of Ephesus, apostles need to, if someone comes to you and claims to be an apostle, they, they automatically need to be tested. OK, if someone claims to you, comes to you and throws titles around and, and, and is expecting you to listen to them, someone comes to you and says, I'm an apostle, I'm a prophet, I'm a pastor, I'm a teacher, I'm an evangelist, whatever it is, if someone is throwing a title elder, deacon, right? Bishop, whatever it is. Okay. And they're claiming authority based on a title. They immediately need to be earnestly tested. They need to be tested for a period of time. No one is an apostle, prophet, evangelist, pastor, or teacher, because they say so. Okay. Doesn't mean anything. Okay, I'm the pastor at Kingdom Discipleship. I'm the teacher of the Word of God, um, but that, that that doesn't mean anything. Okay, it's what Christ says. So look at look at uh, Revelation chapter two, and uh, look what Jesus says. Revelation two, verse 
2. I know your deeds, your hard work, and your perseverance. I know that you cannot tolerate wicked men, that you have tested those who claim to be apostles, but are not, and have found them false. Okay? So again, in Ephesus, okay, which is right now where, where Timothy is, is the pastor, okay, people were coming into Ephesus and claiming authority. They were claiming that they were apostles, and therefore they should be listened to. Okay, in the book of Revelation, chapter two, uh, verse two, Jesus himself compliments the church at Ephesus. Apparently, Timothy had done a pretty good job because he compliments them about doing a good job. So we can glean from that that Timothy did pretty well. Boom, man, I'm getting excited. Thank you, Lord. So Timothy had clearly done a good job because Jesus compliments the church at Ephesus some 30 years later in the book of Revelation. But. He compliments them because first, that they tested these people coming in, claiming authority in the name of Jesus, claiming titles, okay? So again, ding, 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 a red flag ought to go up. If somebody comes to you, okay, just because you go to a church, and, and this is a good thing, but because someone is a pastor at a church or, or a teacher or, you know, an elder or a deacon, that in itself is not spiritual authority, okay? Spiritual authority is not, is not in any way taken or demanded. It's given. You willingly submit to spiritual authority, and that certainly doesn't come until there's a level of testing and trust and relationship, okay? That's what spiritual authority is about. Genuine spiritual authority is not worried as much about you submitting to their authority, they have a love for you and a desire for you to see you walk with them, right? So again, Paul is a legitimate apostle of Christ Jesus, okay? By the command of God our Savior, right? You know, Jesus Christ is God. He is our Savior, right? God in the person of Jesus Christ. But this is interesting. Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus by the command of God our Savior, and of Christ Jesus, our hope. Once again here, we see this command and we have, you know, we have God and Jesus Christ equally put, giving the same command, okay? Uh, this is a clear evidence that Paul firmly believes that Jesus is indeed God. Remember, we have a triune God, one being, okay, three separate individual persons, God the Father, God the Son, Jesus, and God the Holy Spirit, okay? In Jesus, if you're a genuine Christian today, if you're if you're trusting in Jesus alone right now, uh, fully and completely for the forgiveness of your sins, the salvation of your soul, deliverance from eternal hell, and to bring you to heaven when you die, all right, you're a genuine Christian. If you're literally clinging to Christ Right now, knowing that you're a hopeless, desperate, desperate sinner, and only in Christ can you be delivered from sin and hell and go to heaven, that, then you're a Christian, okay? You are a genuine Christian, okay? Um, but understanding that Jesus is God is essential to that, okay? We, our sin is so bad. Okay, we're going to get to this in future teachings, but if you look down in verse 15, look what this man says. Now, Paul is, is, is undoubtedly the holiest man in the world at this point. 
Around AD 60, there is no one walking with Christ in a more devoted and holy way. Look what he says in verse 15. It's almost unbelievable. Here is a trustworthy saying that deserves full acceptance. Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners of whom I am the worst. It's a remarkable statement. How could he here, who's undoubtedly living in less sin than anyone in the world, who's more devoted to Jesus and serving Christ more than anyone in the world, call himself currently, presently the worst of sinners? Why is that? Because he has the most revelation. He has the most understanding. He has been given by far the most revelation. None of the apostles that walked with Jesus had the revelation that Paul did, okay? They didn't write 13 books of the New Testament, okay? The closest after Paul is John. John wrote five books of the New Testament, right? So, again, Paul was given the most revelation and understanding, and yet he could still see in himself, right, a pull from sin. He could still feel that sinful nature pulling him, and again, he would battle it, but he could still look inside himself and see self-serving interests and selfishness and things that we certainly ought to be able to see, right? One of the marks that you're maturing and growing in Christ is that you understand your own sinfulness, you grieve over it, right? And, you know, you're, you're candid about it and your desire to want to change it, right? Um, that is a mark of a, of a truly growing and maturing Christian. All right, man, we're rolling here. So um, Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus by the command of God, our Savior. Okay, it's 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 Jesus, our Savior and our hope that that appoints us to ministry. And if someone is in ministry, there ought to be that evidence. There ought to be a zeal and an excitement and a passion for Jesus. Okay, for Jesus, not God. You can't have a passion for God without a passion for Jesus. As a matter of fact, the only possible passion you can have to minister to God is, is to serve Jesus, to love Jesus, to talk about Jesus, right? So it's all about Jesus. Certainly Jesus is God, okay? But again, we want to use the relational terms the scripture gives us, okay? God the Father, God the Son, Jesus, God the Holy Spirit. Again, one being three distinct separate persons, okay? Every religion in the world has the word God, and every single person will perish and spend an eternity in hell if they don't have a, a complete and total trust in Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of their sins and the salvation of their soul, okay? All right. Verse two, we already talked about it, to Timothy, my true son in the faith, okay? Again, we can see here just a, uh, just a love and a desire coming from Paul, right? To Timothy, my true son in the faith, okay? Um, you, know, you know, once we do, right, once you have found ministers or pastors or elders or men or women, their title doesn't matter, okay? If they have a title, that's fine. But once they have been devoted to you and they have proven themselves, and this is men or women now, okay? Then there is a cause to submit to them. There is a cause to humble yourself under their teaching, okay? You don't want to be a burden to them, okay? Um, 
you know, and, and it's, you know, and it, it's work. I mean, man, certainly in my my walk with Christ over, golly, coming up on 27 years now, um, you know, I have. And, you know, you know, I've been a burden sometimes to, to, to the leaders in my life. And and I've asked forgiveness, certainly. And uh, hopefully I've grown in wisdom. Hopefully, as I've gotten older, I'm Lord willing, I'll be 54 this month. But, uh, you know, when you have those those spiritual fathers and mothers and they and they are fathers and mothers. They really do care about you with a motherly love and a fatherly love. Okay. Remember, there's a difference. You know, sometimes, you know, we have a gift of a teacher and 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 we'll think that in itself makes us a father. It doesn't. Okay. It's certainly an important part of being a spiritual father, but you know, oftentimes, you know, we'll, we'll have a greater desire to teach, which is a good thing, than will be to be a genuine father or a genuine mother. Again, what am I saying? Those who really care about you, who care about your development, you know, they love you. They're willing to forgive you. They're willing to be patient with you. I mean, you do want to, to submit to them. You don't want you don't want to be a burden to them. But but, you know, but it's come from, you know, months, you know, weeks uh, and, and really should be years where they've walked with you and given you their time and they're earnestly praying for you and they're, they're consistently desiring to see you walk with them, okay? There is no spiritual authority from a pulpit, okay? A spiritual father or spiritual mother is someone who's giving you their time, of course, right? So Paul says to Timothy, my true son in the faith. Paul took Timothy with him, um, you know, on, on his, uh, I believe it's his second missionary journey, and he and he, uh, and he walked with him, and he mentored him, and he and he's still concerned concerned for him. Timothy's the only one that gets two letters. To Timothy, my true son in the faith. So again, whose true son or daughter are you, and what true sons and daughters do you have? Do you have a heart for people like this man? Could you look around and say? You know, to Timothy, my true son in the faith, to Stephen, my true son in the faith, um, you know, to, you know, Lily, my true daughter in the faith, you know, to Josie, my true daughter in the faith, to May, my true daughter in the faith, to Kristen, my true daughter in the faith, to Lauren, my true daughter in the faith, to Nathan, my true son in the faith. I mean, you know, who do you really, really love and admire as a spiritual child that, that you could say this about? And, and who could say it of you, right? It's, it's a beautiful, beautiful thing, and all of us should look to aspire to it. Finishing up verse 2, grace, mercy, and peace from God the Father and Christ Jesus our Lord. Now, it's interesting. Paul's customary greeting is to say grace and peace, right? But in these pastoral letters to, to Timothy and, uh, and Titus, he actually says grace, mercy, and peace, right? And uh, some of the commentators have pointed out that that ministers need mercy. Okay, and we're certainly going to see that. It's just an interesting observation. Okay, that um, Paul normally says grace and peace from God the Father and Christ Jesus our Lord. We do see two members of the Trinity there, right? Again, one God, one being, three dis uh, distinct, separate individual persons. And again, in Jesus, we have a relationship with Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, right? An individual relationship as well as a corporate relationship. Grace, mercy, and peace. What's the difference between grace and mercy, okay? Grace, you can write this down. Grace is when you, when you get blessings from Jesus that you do not deserve. That's grace, 
It's unmerited favor. Mercy is when you do not get punishment from Jesus that you do deserve. Mm. I'm a mercy man myself. I've said before that if, uh, I mean, I want all the grace, but if I had to pick one thing, I want mercy because I know I need mercy. Man, every one of us, the closer we, we grow to Jesus, the deeper our relationship, the more we should see our desperate need of mercy. Don't get me wrong. I want grace. I want peace. I want it all, right? So again, it's interesting. Normally, Paul says grace and peace from God the Father in Christ Jesus, but to Timothy and Titus, he says grace, mercy, and peace. And look at it again from God the Father and Christ Jesus our Lord. Again, if Jesus isn't God, this is an utterly blasphemous statement. How could you put on the same line equivalent grace, mercy, and peace? You think it would just say from God or certainly from God the Father, but boom, and Christ Jesus our Lord. Again, he makes, he makes Jesus equal to the Father, which he certainly is, okay? Um, God the Father, God the Son Jesus, and God the Holy Spirit are all full-blown, almighty, all-knowing, all-powerful, omnipresent God, okay? Again, one God, three separate individual persons, right? Um, so again, to put them together, grace, mercy, and peace from God the Father in Christ Jesus our Lord. Golly, I apologize. I am, uh, Stephen predicted this. I didn't think it would happen, but I'm not going to get uh, to verse seven today. Um, again, I want to keep it to the 30 minutes that we talked about. People seem to be liking that. So, all right. So God the Father, Christ Jesus our Lord. Um, you know, just so there's no confusion, turn to, uh, turn to Galatians chapter one. All right. And uh, look what the apostle says here. Same guy who wrote this, right? Um, look what it says in verse one, Galatians 1, 1. Now, this is off the chain. Paul, an apostle, again, sent not from man nor by man, but by Jesus Christ and God the Father who raised him from the dead. Uh, let that sink in. He actually put Jesus ahead of the Father there. Yeah. Okay. I didn't write it. It's the word of God. Galatians 1.1. 1, 1. Paul, an apostle, sent not from men nor by man, but by Jesus Christ and God the Father. Let that sink in. Okay. So again, uh, you know, when we're dealing with Jesus, we're dealing with full-blown almighty God. When he became a man, he did not lessen his deity he couldn't do that and still be God. He added humanity to his deity, fully God, fully man. Bam. Wow. All right. <clears throat> man, this is, this is going fast. All right. Verse three. As I urged you when I went into Macedonia, urged, right? As I urged you when I went into Macedonia, stay there in Ephesus so that you may command certain men not to teach false doctrines any longer. Okay, so here we find the purpose of why Paul has appointed Timothy as the pastor of the church in Ephesus. And it's it's a remarkable thing. I mean, it's, uh, you know, it's it's remarkable. Okay, as I urged you when I went into Macedonia, stay there in Ephesus so that you can enjoy being a pastor, so that you can have everybody say amen to everything you say. Nope. 
right? So that everything can be wonderful for you, so that you can just have a wonderful ministry, so that everyone can honor you, everyone will submit to you, everyone will say, yes, pastor, yes, pastor, yes, pastor. Anyone who's been in ministry and works at it knows that's certainly not how it works. <laughs> certainly hadn't been the case in my life, right? Um, okay. As I urged you when I went into Macedonia, okay, so Paul, Paul, this is urgent for Timothy, okay? It's, it's, it's really a command, okay? Um, you know, it doesn't say command. You know, Timothy could have chose not to do it, but as a good spiritual son, he's certainly going to follow the, you know, the, the will of God. Obviously, this is the will of, of our Heavenly Father, of Jesus, and of the Holy Spirit, right? As I urged you when I went into Macedonia, stay there in Ephesus. Why? So that you may command certain men not to teach false doctrines any longer. Okay, so there's many things he's going to do and, and command him to do throughout the letter. But here's, here's one of the primary purposes is so that he can correct the things that are out of place. Now, now again, this is, this is an interesting, an extremely interesting aspect to ministry, okay? Because sometimes when, when ministry is difficult, sometimes when we're not listened to, sometimes when, when you're in ministry and, you know, and, you know, you're in pastoral ministry, um, it, can, it can be hard. You know what I mean? It can be very hard. There are consistent issues in the church. And here, Paul is telling Timothy that his job is to straighten out first what these false teachers are coming in and, and giving doctrines that are contrary to the truth of the word of God and the son of God. And that's just not an enjoyable thing, right? So here you go, Timothy. This is what I want you to do. All these people that are mistaken, I want you to straighten them out. I want you to fix them. I want you to command them. I want you to make sure that they stop spreading, right, um, false doctrine, okay? So we also see a primary job we have as ministers, okay? And that is to make sure that the truth of the gospel of Jesus Christ is properly taught, is clearly taught. He's commanded to stay there. And it's kind of a difficult assignment, right? Who wants to do that? Who wants to go around? Maybe some people enjoy this, but who wants to go around to these zealous people that, that think they know what they're talking about, that are not speaking the truth of Jesus Christ, that are not teaching the true gospel, and to always be correcting them? Because let me give you a hint. People generally don't listen when you tell them. Okay, there's a whole lot of people out there that aren't teaching the scriptures correctly. They're not teaching the true gospel correctly, the true good news that our God, Jesus, became a human man, lived a perfect, righteous life on our behalf. We could never live, died a torturous death on the cross that we deserve to die and has been raised from the dead. And only by receiving him, John 1, 12, yet to all who received him, Jesus, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. Only by receiving Jesus, trusting Jesus, relying on Jesus, putting your full faith, hope, and confidence, Jesus, will you, will you avoid an eternity in hell under the wrath of God and go to heaven when you die? That's the true good news. These people were teaching contrary to that, and Paul tells Timothy he needs to straighten it out. It doesn't sound fun. We'll get into more of this the next time. So, Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for your mercy. We thank you for your goodness. We thank you for this book of 1 Timothy, Father. Golly. Father, we thank you that we got our Bible. We thank you that we could study books of our Bible, Father. 
Father, we just love you and bless you, Father. We do also want grace, mercy, and peace, Father, from you and from you, Lord Jesus, and from you, Holy Spirit. Father, we love you and we bless you and we thank you. Father, we do ask you to help us to properly teach the word of God and to stand up for the truth of Jesus Christ, our Lord. Holy Spirit, we ask you to seal this message to our hearts now and we thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen and amen.